everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, good to see you today, sir. How you doing? Hey! No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Sorry, I was caught off guard. I was doing a, a crossword puzzle oh, here. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm important. I got to do stuff like uh -huh. that. Uh, I, uh, sir Alan of the Roundtable, uh, uh, this is Mark over here. Uh, I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt your multitasking. I'm so sorry. That's all right. You know, I do what I have to for this little, this little, <laughs> this little gig, this little show we got. Um, <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing? Um, you know, I'm fine. I, I think it's uh, it's springish, and mm -hmm. um, I'm looking forward to real summer. You know, and later spring weather. But uh, we're flirting with it again, and uh, I'm I'm happy it's warming up. Let me just say that. Yeah, I'm starting to see more uh, green stuff on the ground. Yeah. The, the nature and the green and the yes, grass and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Um, science and it's, it's, it's starting to come through. We've so. already had, uh, we've already mowed the lawn once. So that's happened. Uh, and in I this, don't ever do that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fine. It'll take care of itself. I read the neighborhood complain about you. So that makes sense. Look, my theory is soap is self-cleaning. <laughs> um, Grass is self-cutting. Well, I don't know. Okay. You got me. I don't know how to end that analogy. I, I was kind of hoping that the lawn would just take care of itself yeah. on account of nature yeah but it, i've had not, you as a neighbor before I know, I know yeah it did, didn't yeah. turn out well yeah. it looks kind of a brownish it's not good well it was weird to me because uh you know in the same week we both use the heat and the air conditioning at night mm -hmm. which is not that rare in indiana i guess but it does annoy me every time we have to yeah yeah it, it, this is actually it, it, this is perfect weather to open your windows sometimes and just kind of just right. let the air go through and That's then true. you go oh Jiminy Crow, it's, it's like it's yeah. 10 degrees in here. Let's stop it. <laughs> Everybody get your space heater and plug in. shut the door before the sun went down? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. Well, hey, Mark, we're here this week to talk about season six, episode three. We're already three episodes in. Can you believe it? Yeah. This one is called the Pawnee Eagleton Tip-Off Classic. This is one of the longer titles I can remember. That is a mouthful. I yeah. will say that, yes. And uh, it's, I think, our probably third eagleton centric episode is that correct third or fourth that's, that sounds second about right. major one i'll say it that way yeah i remember there was the one with lindsey carlisle shea yes um and then there was the one that had to do with the guy who came up with pawnee commons yep um there may have been one I'm other going with four. i think it's our yeah. fourth yeah. yeah that sounds right which is interesting because this episode was directed by Nicole Hollif Center, mm -hmm. and this is she only did four episodes total, and I think uh, we we had her just there at the end of season five with Jerry's retirement, as I recall. Mm -hmm. But she did two of the four Eagleton centric episodes, which is kind of funny to me. Get out of here! Yeah, so huh. kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, today's episode was written by Alan Yang, and this is Alan's twelfth of sixteen, ultimately that he was credited as primary writer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this episode first aired on October 3rd, 2013. And the I have been talking here in the last few weeks about, you know, uh, how did the show interact with the rest of the television schedule? Mm -hmm. and I found something interesting this week. What's One, that? they shuffled the schedule again. They did. They did. Parks led off at 8 o'clock, which is kind of weird for them. Yeah. Uh, Welcome to the Family. Don't remember that show was at 830. Mm. Uh, welcome to the family is the title. Not don't remember that show. It's not like a subtitle. Well, I don't know. It fits. I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sean saves the world, which I also don't remember. I do vaguely remember that. Do you? Okay, yeah. good for you. All right. 
the Michael J. Fox show at 930. Oh, yeah. Which was picking up some steam at that point. And I think Parenthood closes out at 10 o'clock, which was in its probably third and close to final season, but definitely third season. That sounds right. And I'm like, okay, so Parks had 3 million viewers, which is about normal for it. It's right in the average. You know, they've right. gone higher. They've definitely gone lower. But that's pretty typical for them. I'm like, is that good? I don't know. So I went and looked. Mm-hmm. Also at 8 o'clock, same night on, of course, CBS, Big Bang Theory. Any guess as to how many viewers it had against Parks' 3 million viewers? Um, Four. 18.2. So more than four. <laughs> more than four by a shot. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm like, well, okay. So that, that puts things in perspective. Kind of interesting. That is interesting. So, so yeah, I, I guess a highly, highly popular show like Big Bang Theory is in the nearly 20 million range. Parks, three. So it's that interesting to fair. me. And I don't think it deserves the differential, although I understand it, I guess. Hey, Alan. I, I really want your head to explode, so I'm going to ask you this. Why don't you do some research oh and see when uh, Two and a Half Men was in its, <laughs> in it, it is in its zenith? Oh I want God. you to see how many, how many millions and millions of viewers, uh, how many hundreds of millions of viewers it had. Mark, it's just going to upset me, and you know it. I may, it may upset you, but, but I, I, I want to see the look on your face. I, I want to see you cry. That, that, that's really what this comes down to, because uh, you right. actually, you, you know ma- what? I actually, I'm intrigued because I, you know, I, I was a media studies guy, right? And so I know th- there's a thing called least common denominator program. Here we right? go. Sorry, I'm, I, this, I, this is a Look, very. Quick I wound thing. up the bear when it dances. That's I, my fault. I promise the soapbox not very high today, and I'll get right <laughs> off of it. But just for our viewers at home, Mark. So I, I've made the the uh, the argument that. Two and a Half Men, not one of my favorite shows, although right. I do like people in it and components of it. I do not like the show overall, is least common denominator programming. Right. Parks is not. It's far more cerebral. And I would argue that so is Big Bang Theory, and yet it's got an 18 share, which is crazy. I think it's it's a standout in a couple different ways. Hmm. For a smart comedy like that, to have that many viewers, I think is probably very rare. But I, I believe what we'll find is that Two and a Half Men will have more viewers in parks as well because it appeals to a broader segment of the audience. Interesting. That, that's my theory. I will get back to you and let you know what I find. Do you think it has more than Big Bang Theory? No, no, I do not. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, it's, I don't it's, think It's making so. you wince just thinking uh, about it. I'm isn't getting it? very uncomfortable. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, so I will get back to you and let you know. Fair enough. And in fact, I, I think I'm going to have uh, Constantine, uh, who's here, I think, today, do that research for me. Um, n- no. He was, uh, He's not going to do the research for me? He may not. He's kind of persnickety about doing stuff yeah. and saying things. Yeah. I don't really know why we have him. Yeah. But but he's not. he was supposed to be here today. He's oh. not here. He, Harvey, you ready to go? Harvey's here. He oh. Actually, he was. Constantine asked him to fill in. Why don't people tell me about these schedule updates? You're too uh, important. They don't want to bother you with the little minutiae. We're we're way down here, Alan. Why why is he here today? Like when you look, if you're in an airplane and you look down on the earth, you see the little ants. Yeah. That's what we are. You're right. Yeah. So now I'm the airplane. Is that how this metaphor works? I've kind of lost what I was saying, but yeah, it's something, something you're important. (laughs) But yeah, he asked Harvey to fill in for him because he's got a, he apparently he's got a hot date. I'm sorry. Constantine's going on a date. I think you heard it here first. How did that happen? I don't know. I, I mean, just 
grand wizardry, like like you know it, shards of magic. I don't Keebler elf. I don't know. It, it's apparently there's a thing called onionmatch.com. <laughs> no, there's not. Well, I don't know. That's what I heard. <laughs> Maybe it's a thing. All right. Well, that explains it then. So there's a lot of stuff I'm uncomfortable talking about, and I'm gonna stop right now. So, so next week, not only will I report back on the whole two and a half men rating share, uh-huh. but we'll hear about Constantine's date. Oh, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I'm I mean, so intrigued. Like that, there was one. Maybe that's it. Oh my god. Hey, Mark. You know what? Let's get into this episode before we just you know go another hour without ever mentioning the episode itself. No, I like this. Let's just keep on talking about the, oh, you're So do right. our viewers. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're probably right. I'm sure we'll All get right. some So we're here to, it was, so which show are we covering again? This is Pawnee Eagleton Tip-Off Classic. Oh yeah, Parks and Rec. Here 6. we go. 6.3. Yep. And uh, I believe you have one of them, their synopsises for us. Oh yeah. Yeah, my notes. My notes. Here's my notes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do. Uh, I split this up into, what did I do? One, two, three. I split this up into three stories. Yay! Just out of the gate. just The, the judges say yes. Dinging bells like no one's business. Love it. All right. So my A story is entitled Mo, No Money, Mo Problems. That's an N with an N-O and the yeah. M with the Mo. Just like the t-shirt. Yeah, I totally stole it from something that happened <laughs> in the show. All right. All right, so here we go. Don't get stuck. All right. Uh, still losing heavily in the recall election. Leslie uses the press conference covering the Pawnee Eagleton tip-off classic basketball game to score some cheap points by slamming Eagleton. And a bit later, Chris tells Ben, their old boss from Indianapolis, wants them to take a look into Eagleton's budget problem, something which delights Leslie to no end. At the meeting with Eagleton City Council... It includes Leslie's counterpart, Ingrid DeForest. Uh, They prefer not to talk openly about money, because it's kind of gauche. But instead, they allow Chris and Ben direct access to their files so they can see for themselves. Well, they find out that Eagleton's debt-equity ratio is crazy. It's off the charts, and they are actually now on the brink of an epic financial disaster. Leslie is excited, not only because this is a potential way to get Pawnee back on her side, like she saved Pawnee from financial you know, bankruptcy, and now their worst enemy is about to blunder into it, but also she's excited anytime she gets a chance to stick it to Eagleton. Let, let's, let's be honest. Um, to that end, while Chris and Ben legitimately want to try and help Eagleton and come up with a viable solution, Leslie puts together a mock presentation disguised as a financial recovery plan. Either way, Alan, unfortunately for Eagleton, having borrowed everything they came from the state, Pawnee is now their only hope. Yikes. What will happen? Will Leslie succeed in getting Pawnee back on her side? Is Eagleton truly on the brink of financial disaster? Can the Pawnee gang find a way to help Eagleton, or do they even want to? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. I am curious about that last question. I know we'll talk about it. Today. Yeah. So Mark, my A story was titled uh, The Gauche Guffaw. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. You. I like alliteration. Yeah, we all do. Very good. Very good. How about your B story, Mark? All right. B story incoming. Uh, this one I just simply entitled Ron versus the Grid. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Ron is disturbed. Well, for many reasons, but in this case, by the <laughs> lack of privacy he has after receiving a magazine addressed to him at Diane's house, where uh-huh. he's lived for less than a freaking month. Less than a month, Alan. 
Ron recruits Tom and Donna to help him get completely off the grid. Although, quite frankly, Tom and Donna are confused as to why anyone would want that. They love the grid. They want to marry the grid. Ron goes on a rampage and gets rid of his uh, cell phone and chops up credit cards and destroys City Hall car park access key cards and renew- removes nameplates from office doors, destroys pediatrician files, and on and on. He even goes around to all the diners and restaurants in town, you know, and takes his picture down <laughs> for whatever reason they may have it. Oh, how will this turn out? Can Ron truly get completely off the grid? Do Tom and Donna help or hinder Ron towards this goal? Will there be any drawbacks to Ron's efforts? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Uh, my title for that storyline, Mark, was Identity Theft is Not a Joke, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. I knew he was to blame somehow. Yep. All right. So C story incoming. I, I, I liked my title for the B story, so I kind of stayed with that. Yeah. I called this, <laughs> I called this Anne versus the gut. Nice. Yeah. All right. Anne and April take a road trip together to the city of Bloomington, Indiana. They do so for two reasons. Number one, so April can attend her orientation day for Bloomington's School of Veterinary Medicine. Number two, so Anne can shop at some of the nicer baby stores, which far outclass what she can find in Pawnee. Duh. And, duh, duh. Anne leaves April to her orientation so she can do some shopping. However, before long, April shows up at the baby store. Anne's at, apparently not a fan of the orientation and bailing almost immediately. Anne insists April return to the orientation and complete it. But April will only do it if Anne agrees to play along with an embarrassing scheme she's concocted where Anne pretends to be April's 65-year-old grandmother. My God. What will happen? Will Anne agree to April's crazy scheme? Will April finish her orientation? Is April still on track to go to vet school? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job, Mark. So so this this plot line is revolves around Bloomington, right? Yes. Bloomington, Indiana, capital B. Yup. So my storyline was to be or not to be. Aw. There you go. Or to Bloomington or not to 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 do to Bloomington. Yeah, that was a lot of mouthful. I take that back. So we didn't do that. Yeah, good thing we can edit this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How about your AKA Mark? How about them AKAs? You know, there were a few occurrences in this episode that, for whatever reason, Alan. People thought it was funny to do the thing. You know how sometimes you come in a room and you see someone and maybe someone not paying attention and you yeah. go think fast. Oh yeah, yeah. Apparently, people kept doing this to Ben in this episode, yep. and he is not like real. He, he doesn't not. do sports like I do, right? And so he's he he's not real. You know, he's not the to athlete cut. you and are. So no, yeah. not not even close. <laughs> no one is. And so he keeps on, and he finally says, "Why do people keep assuming I'm ready to catch things?" <laughs> That's a question good. for the ages. How about you? You're What's really yours? Mine is from your man crush, Ron Swanson. Mm. You could almost say it's kind of in the same vein, I suppose. Uh, he, he, you know, you mentioned he's got to go take his picture down. Yes. He gets these awards for eating the most X. He just has these... breakfast and yeah. that's just, it's just a yeah. byproduct. And his, his line in response is, why is everyone else so bad at eating? I know. I feel the same way. I'm very good at it. I mean, look at me. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm a pro. Yeah. <laughs> I'm perhaps Olympic stature. Mark, I think it's time for us to retire. 
as a matter of fact, and not just from this podcast. No, 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 no. All right. Nice job there, Mark, on the synopsises and the AKAs, and let's get into our breakdown. All right. Bring it down, bring it down. All right. We start off the cold open. Um, it's uh, it's a, a fairly good size. How big is that? It's almost two minutes. It's pretty long. Um, and we, we're at City Hall, and we're in the... I think they have a, a press conference room. That's how I always think about it. And they're yeah. having a press conference. It's a, it's a packed press conference room, and they're waiting to hear about the uh, highly anticipated Pawnee Eagleton tip-off classic basketball game. And Leslie yeah. is preparing to speak alongside Ingrid DeForest, her uh, counterpart from Eagleton. Hey, Harvey, start us off right, buddy. Play the clip. Okay, here's a text for your speech. I added a few more jokes slamming Eagleton at the end. Mm, it's the sexiest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> so glad you're on my team. Are you sure you want to attack him at this press conference? It's a friendly wager on a high school basketball game. I'm losing the recall election, Ben. Slamming Eagleton is the easiest way to score some points. Look, am I proud of it? Yes, yep. because Eagleton sucks. But is it the classiest move? Yes, yep. because Eagleton sucks. Would I do it again? Yes, because yep. Eagleton sucks. <laughs> this year, we get to host the Pawnee Eagleton Tip-Off Classic. That awful human being is Ingrid DeForest. <laughs> She's a city councilor from Eagleton. She thinks she's so great because she won the Miss Indiana Beauty pageant last year while she was in office and pregnant. <laughs> As always, we would like to make a friendly wager with Eagleton. If you beat us this year, we will give you a basket of apples from our Pawnee orchard. Ooh, pesticide, yuck. <laughs> oh no, these are pesticide free. I ate one of these for breakfast this morning and I found a worm in it, mm. so. I bet somebody feels pretty stupid right now. Mm. Well, Leslie, I think we had similar ideas. If you win, Eagleton will give you this basket of oranges. <laughs> of course, it's silly to compare apples and oranges, but what the heck. These are made of Swarovski crystal, and they're worth $700,000. Leslie, uh, you're down 15 <laughs> points in the latest poll for the recall election. What can you do to make up the deficit? I'll tell you what I'd do if I was an Eagletonian. I'd pop a Xanax and ask my butler to help me out. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that Eagletonians are out of touch, but when you tell them it's time to change their oil, they ask, extra virgin or white truffle? <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll see you at the game. Unless, of course, you're an Eagletonian, and then you'll be too busy polishing your monocle at the caviar store. <laughs> no out. Drop the mic. Oh, well, there you boy. go. Yeah, she, uh, she that, that was a good set of material there. She had a good set. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mark, you mentioned the, the, the press conference room there. As I recall, uh, city manager Phil is the, was the first person to use this press conference in season one, as a matter of fact. So on and off, it has been the press conference room. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, wasn't that where Phil had his heart attack? It was. And, and he, he did the note group? grabbed onto the note group. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Was. Oh, boy. Well, Mark, uh, we kick off the main episode in the bullpen where Ron has some privacy concerns, of course, and is about to get schooled in modern social presence opportunities. Oh, nightmare. Yeah, at City Hall, we see an irritated Ron, as if there's any other type. No, there's uh, another type. Vent to Tom about having received mail at Diane's house, even though he's only been there. Yeah. Who, who been, or what is a penny saver? I don't know. I still don't know. <laughs> and he's been living it less than a month, so what the hell? Apparently, this is an indication to Ron that his life is not as private as he had hoped, mm. something that bothers him a great bit. So Ron asks Tom for assistance, who then, in turn, reaches out via social media to Donna, who, in Tom's words, is, 
quote, great with this sort of thing. Yeah. And the rest of the scene just kind of devolves as both Tom and Donna communicate to the world and each other by an overwhelming assortment of social media posts, even when they are standing right freaking next to each other. And Ron just simply looks at them both with confusion and irritation. <laughs> she live streamed her walk back to the office from getting coffee. That is crazy. That's funny. Crazy craziness. Well, Mark, over in the city manager's office, Ben is reunited with an old friend and learns about the opportunity to revisit a bit of his pre-Pawnee past. <laughs> That's right. At City Hall, we see Ben enter Chris's office, where both Chris and Leslie are present, by the way. And at this point, A, Chris throws a calculator at startled Ben, yep. which is what I mentioned before, who recognizes the calculator as his trusty sidekick. Dr. Buttons. <laughs> oh, wait, he didn't name that. I had to stop and just That's laugh great. for yeah. just like a minute. Dr. Buttons. Anyway, so that happened. And then B, Chris tells Ben, their old boss from Indianapolis, wants the two of them to look into a budget problem in Eagleton. Well, while the two auditing bros oh, are filled with nerdy excitement at being able to work together again, Say Leslie that. is also very excited, but for very different reasons. Did, did you catch their, uh, you know, they did say auditing bros before that. They had a lo other little nickname, apparently. Uh, Butch Counsity and the Sum Dance Kid. Oh, my. My God. That's horrible and awesome. That's all a the level same time. of nerddom I, I don't even think you and I have achieved. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, I, I, do like, I do like Leslie's little uh, attempt at a bit. At oh, the yeah, end, yeah. she kind of like did a Jeff Foxworthy. Uh, that was funny. If you make your omelet out of Faberge <laughs> eggs, you just might be an Eagletonian. Gidget. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. It was nice of Chris to play along there. Well, yeah, he's yeah. that nice. He is that nice. Well, across town, Anne and April are about to embark on a road trip to April's future. And, of course, she couldn't be more grateful to Anne for the interest she's showing in that future. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, questionable. We now cut to the street outside of Anne's house, and we see Anne and April getting into the Anne-mobile, apparently ready to start a road trip to Bloomington, so April can take part in her orientation. And Anne is excited about the road trip, not only because she has a bit of a vested interest, I think, in April starting vet school, but also because Bloomington has decent baby stores. Yeah, no. Baby stores that aren't attached to chemical refineries. So, you know, whoop, <laughs> it's a low bar. Whoop de doo. And April is, well, April. She's April. It, these two on a road trip, I don't know, Alan. I think this is a truly Pawnee's version of the odd couple. Well, and I, I think, you know, to start it off with the Tory Amos CD was probably also a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. out the window that goes. Yeah, we'll see what they do agree on later, though. Yeah. Well, in the Eagleton Plaza de Commerce, Mark, that's what I'm calling this fancy building. I love it. Yeah, thank you. The auditing team of Traeger, Wyatt, and Nope, uh, mm. also known as TWK, meet with the Eagleton City Council members to discuss how they might help. Well, yeah, we now adjourn to the fancy Eagleton place you named that I can't remember now. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, uh, they, we are in an Eagleton conference room and everything is probably made out of gold and caviar. I don't know what they do. And uh, yeah, Leslie, Ben, and Chris are meeting with, I just think of them as Ingrid and her cohorts. There you go. I don't know who the rest are. Anyway, while the boys want to get into the details of Eagleton's spending, Ingrid and team find talking about money to be a little gauche. 
And so, however, they do finally point them towards an array of boxes towards the back of the room and just simply invite them to see for themselves. Uh, Mark, there were so there were very few deleted scenes, which we'll talk about later. Right. One of them I loved that the first box they opened was full of tiaras. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Yeah, just look. Everybody has a tiara box. I know I, I do. I do. I have several, as a matter of fact. You I guess know. if you've got $700,000 worth of uh, Sawarski uh, oranges, you know, tiaras are nothing. No, no, th those are nothing. Nor is the $100 euro tip. <laughs> I just thought that was nice. She appreciates their help. Oh, my God. Slide over 100 euros. There you go. You buy yourself something pretty. Something pretty. Yeah. Well, back in the Parks Conference room, the PR firm of Meagle and Haverford consult with their client about his desires to find electronic anonymity. Yeah. So back in Pawnee, we see a conference room that is not made of gold nor caviar. Neither. It's just the regular old raggedy old vanilla yeah. old Parks Conference room, which we like. We love it. And Ron is, or is that is that named after Jerry now? I keep on thinking. They of it. did rename it. You're it's, exactly it's the, right. It's the Gergich Memorial. <laughs> The conference room. Guys, I'm not dead. And we see Ron meeting with Tom and Donna, and he is clearly agitated about his privacy being violated. And he tells them he wants to get completely off the grid. And Tom and Donna initially respond with a mixture of shock and disbelief as they both make huge use of the grid in their everyday lives. And they can't even imagine being without it. In fact, they urge Ron to reconsider and maybe get even more on the grid. However, Ron finally sways them both to see his perspective, mainly by promising to let them both go home early if they help him. But still, <laughs> a victory is a victory, right? Hey, you'll take it where you can get it. Yup. Well, down at the Bloomington School of Veterinary Medicine, Veterinary Medicine, it doesn't exist, so it doesn't really matter if I say it right. No. No. Uh, April and her adult have arrived just in time for the red carpet day visit. We now adjourn to the great city of Bloomington, Indiana, where April finally meets her orientation tour guide, Laura. This is a fairly short scene, so the main takeaways are A, April has reverted to her rather snarky self, like even to the tour guide, and it's not clear whether or not she's excited about being there. And then B, Anne lets all this roll off her back, leaves April with Laura the tour guide, and quickly departs as she is excited about going shopping at the local baby store. Very nice. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Well, back at the financial audit, the guys dig in, and separately, Leslie works on the world's oldest comedy routine. Yeah, she's being that helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the Golden Caviar fancy Eltonian conference room, Ben and Chris, the auditing bros, have been going through the boxes at the back of the room that Ingrid and cohorts pointed them to, and they found out a few things. Hey, Harvey, play the clip, sir. This is worse than I could have imagined. Your debt-to-equity ratio is ridiculous. <laughs> what a hilarious word. It reminds me of a ridiculous donkey. He's the best. What does this mean for them? <laughs> they were in financial trouble a few years ago, like Pawnee was, but their government just kept borrowing money. Eagleton is on the brink of an epic financial disaster. Ugh. Oh. Ooh. Steamy. A little weird. Oh, that is the sexiest thing you've ever said to me. Really? That? This is gonna hand me the recall election. I saved Pawnee from bankruptcy. Now I get to remind people of that fact as we watch our worst enemy collapse into bankruptcy. Plus, guess what I get to do after the game now? You pretend you're Ingrid. Let's pretend this box is the basket of apples I bet them on the game. I see where you're going with this. No, you don't. Yeah, you're going to ask me if I like apples. Do you like apples? We just watched this movie two do nights ago. Do you like ago, apples? So I don't want to do this. How about them apples? Yikes. <laughs> 
<laughs> People have to quit throwing stuff at him. I know. He is not ready to catch. He is not. Well, back over at City Hall, Ron attempts a minor felony, and Donna and Tom continue to provide advice along with important reminders. Yeah, we're in the bullpen now, and we see the scene opens with Ron uh, berating uh, mail carrier Paul, apparently trying to bully him into never delivering mail again to, to him. I just love this. Paul is so meek. <laughs> it, it, Ron's basically said like, you know, if you see one with my name, you just drive it into the woods and bury it. Bury it. Paul's like, I don't decide who gets the mail, sir. I just deliver it. <laughs> Passing the buck, the last refuge of the cowardly and black-hearted. <laughs> it's a little bit harsh. It is a little harsh. Anyway, so sorry, that just cracked me up. <laughs> then Ron goes, get out. I know. It's I like that. It's like a, a, almost like from the Honeymooners. It wa- Oh, my God. It was a Jackie Gleason movie. It totally was. Oh, love it. Anyway. So once Paul leaves with his tail between his legs, um, <laughs> Tom and Donna go over their uh, to-do list to get Ron off the grid. And some items are done and some items are left to do. When Tom remembers that a photo of Ron is hanging up at JJ's diner, Ron goes into a panic frenzy, grabs Tom, and takes off for JJ's. Alan, is it just me or at this point does Ron seem a little manic? He seems a little Leslie-esque in my mind here. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he about killed poor little Tom leaving the room there. Oh, I know. Yeah. Uh, poor little bird man. I would love to see the outtake of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, roughly around the same time down in Bloomington, Anna's doing a little bit of baby shopping while she waits for April and gets assistance from a sales agent who looks shockingly like Parks and Recreation writer and producer Aisha Marar. I, I, I noticed that. Yeah. That's weird. We now go back to the great city of Bloomington, Indiana, where Anne is shopping at a baby store named, appropriately, Tots All, folks. <laughs> I love a good pun name. Anyway, Anne is having the time of her life when she happens to glance out the front window and she sees April walking towards the front door of the store and then enter. Surprised and a bit annoyed to see April, Anne approaches her and asks, what the hell? Like, why, why, why aren't you at orientation? And April tells her, it was lame, so I left, then I kept walking, and now here I am. It's almost like April's taking classes in short, reductive statements from Ron Swanson. She's certainly not Couldn't taking Couldn't you see him seriously. saying that? Yes. It was lame, I left, I walked, and now I am here. Like that, that, That's interchangeable dialogue. You're it's exactly, exactly right, yeah. Anyway, so Anne angrily tells Ron, I mean April, uh, we're going back there right now, young lady, and then gently but firmly pushes a reluctant April back out the door, determined to take her back to orientation. Get off me, stranger. I know. Well, back at the auditing process, the CONFAB has moved to City Hall Council Chambers for the convenience of the Pawnee-based team, I suppose. And Leslie has apparently prepared a classic NOPE 20-point plan for Eagleton's economic recovery. (laughs) (laughs) Back at City Hall, we're back in Pawnee, and we see uh, Leslie, Ben, and Chris meeting with, I think as I call them, Ingrid and cohorts for a presentation on a potential financial recovery plan for Eagleton. Unfortunately, Alan, two things become quickly apparent. A, Eagleton's spending habits, such as having a bankruptcy brunch where Michael Buble is playing, are highly questionable given their circumstances. And B, 
Leslie's financial recovery presentation has more than a few direct shots taken at Eagleton, such as her first slide, which simply captioned, Well, well, well. <laughs> Alan, this may not be going smoothly. Oh, Leslie's going to have her moment, I suppose. Yup. Well, down the street at Pawnee's, no, strike that, the Midwest's best breakfast joint, ah. Ron is on the hunt for anything that might reveal too much about his life or personage. And what he finds, Mark, is frankly alarming. It's frankly alarming. I don't care if your name is Frank. <laughs> we now see Ron and Tom at JJ's Diner, the one and only, talking to the owner himself, JJ Lipscomb, about needing Ron's picture for privacy reasons. Apparently, a few months ago, Ron came in, he began eating eggs, you know, just <laughs> breakfast, I'm assuming. And before you know it, he'd gone through 51 eggs in 20 minutes at JJ's Diner record. So Good they Lord. took his picture and they hung it up on JJ's wall of fame along with other uh, eating records. Sure. JJ has no problem with them taking the picture, although he's a little bit confused as to how anyone would know it's him. As per Ron's instructions, it does not have his name on it, but it was simply labeled man. <laughs> Nonetheless, Ron and Tom take the picture and then depart, apparently ready to move on to other eateries. That is just too much information, Mark. Right. Well, I think in addition to the uh, the award winners there at uh, JJ's, there's also like some local celebrity photographs and things like that. Of course, Dan Quayle, who was vice president at one point, is mm. on the wall. And so kind of interesting. Yeah. I like the little background details they provide. Well, in the very end of the scene, I think that's where you got your AKA. Because Tom, yeah. Tom's a bit confused since they took off in a panic frenzy for JJ's. And, and right. Ron's like, Let, let's go. Like what? Tom's like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, where are we going? I've eaten a lot of food in a lot of restaurants. <laughs> and then he kind of looks up to the universe and puzzles. Why is everyone else so bad at eating? <laughs> it's so true. Yep. Oh, boy. Well, back for a second chance, April and her 65-year-old Mima have returned to the Bloomington Veterinary School. And April is clearly ready to take it serious this time. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> We're now back in Bloomington, Indiana. And it looks like Anne was able to talk April into going back to orientation, but only if Anne agreed to play along with a scheme April concocted where Anne would pretend she was April's 65-year-old grandmother. The tour guide, Laura, is happy to continue the tour, even though Anne is a little embarrassed, and it's questionable whether April is getting anything out of it at this point. Well, well, while we wait to see what April does, we head back to the financial review and Leslie continues her presentation and is ready to demonstrate that she is above cheap jokes and relentless mockery. But apparently she left that PowerPoint at home. Incorrect, Alan. Oh, let, really? Let me tell you what really happened. All right. So back at City Hall, Leslie is finishing up her rather insulting presentation on Eagleton's financial situation, ending with a slide that sums up prior points by saying... You blew it. Super hard. Complete buffoonery. It's hilarious. You deserve it. Wow. And Ben is getting a bit annoyed at Leslie's yeah. hatred of Eagleton getting in the way of actually helping them. So he asked her to cool it and just move ahead. Well, Leslie's actual, quote, plan to help Eagleton is a bridge loan from Pawnee for $50,000, 25% interest compounded monthly, and they need to release a statement that says Pawnee rules, Eagleton drools. Wow. This is a bridge too far. Uh, disgusted Ingrid and cohorts get up and simply leave. And as they do, Leslie warns them, quote, if you walk out that door, none of us here, and I repeat, none of us will ever help you again. 
Alan, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think Leslie should be unilaterally speaking for all of them like that, do you? Well, we'll see if they agree. But, uh, you know, they do have a saying in uh, Eagleton, Mark, it's pronounced Eagleton, that uh, you do not kick a dressage horse while after a failed pas de deux. Yeah, I just said that Pudo Pone de Piff thing uh, uh, earlier today. I, I, I agree. I think that equates to, you know, you don't kick somebody when they're down. Right. That, that's the English translation. Right, yeah. right. Well, we'll see. I, I think for me, like, my problem, like, Ben, is that Leslie has zero empathy. Like, none. I get her hatred, kind of, but eh, we'll see. See, I, I do, too. Like, I, I, I can understand this from the perspective of what goes around comes around. Yeah. And, you know, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Or, I don't <laughs> right. know. Wh- whatever. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I wish that she would explicitly say it like that. Like, they've mm. never been taken to task ever, ever in the history of ever. Yeah, she just looks petty doing it this way. I agree. That, that yeah. is, that's an excellent observation, Mark. Well, in Ron's office, he has finally done it thanks to his persistence and support oh, from team God. redaction. <laughs> He and every he has gathered every possible piece of personally identifiable data, Mark. We call that PII in the biz. Is that what we call it? Yeah. I uh, should probably know that. And he is now 100% off the grid, I, I think. Well, we cut to Ron's, I mean, some unnamed office. There you uh, go. In, in the, in the <laughs> uh, bullpen where Ron, Tom, and Donna are going over all the tasks that they have completed in their holy quest to get Ron off the grid. Hey, Harvey, play the clip, please, sir. Thank you. Okay, all public photos of me recovered. Nameplate removed from my office door. Yep. Pediatrician files confiscated and destroyed. There you go. Anything I'm missing? Great news, Ron. John Ralphio loves your shirt. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, I've been taking pictures of you all day for my new Facebook album. Ron Swan, getting off the grid. Tom, do you maybe see a problem with what you've done? <laughs> I do now. Yes. Sorry. Erase. 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 Erase all pictures of Ron! Erase all pictures of Ron! Erase all pictures of Ron! What the hell is happening? He accidentally opened a vine. Oh my god. You just vined your first selfie, Ron! (laughs) And I'm vining you, vine your selfie. The world is a nightmare. (laughs) Erase all pictures of Ron. Erase all pictures of Ron. Oh my gosh, Mark. Talk about no empathy. No empathy whatsoever. Nope. That uh, this show occasionally trips over the dated reference. Uh, yeah, it kind of did there with vines. Right. Yeah. Although they're still around, you can see them on YouTube all day long, but uh, not not on the platform so much. Well, I'll tell you something else. Visually, I believe those were Windows devices. I think that's problematic. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, Mark, in Bloomington, April seems to have made up her mind about her future there, despite Anne's hopes for her. Back in the great city of Bloomington, Indiana, tour guide Laura finishes April's orientation and cheerily tells April she'll see her back in a couple of weeks. And Anne seems pleased and asks April, you know, aren't you glad that we came back and talked to her? And to Anne's surprise, April says, no, it was pointless. I'm not going to school here. Though Anne briefly tries to sway her into going, but April stubbornly refuses and insists they head back to Pawnee. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, in the city manager's office, Leslie drops in to make plans with Ben and finds that he has already made plans that don't, by design, include her. Back at City Hall, Leslie drops by where Ben and Chris are working and surprises them both, literally, with a custom t-shirt that she made to further insult Eagleton and then asks Ben if he's ready for dinner. Didn't she shoot him with a t-shirt gun? Yes. This is, this is where my AKA, like, why do everybody, why do you think I'm ready to catch things? Because I am not. He's going to have PTSD over this. Yeah. Ben seems a little nervous after Leslie asks, well, are you ready for dinner? And he kind of hems and haws a little bit and says, I don't know. I, I got a few things to do. Maybe could I have an hour? And then almost as if on cue, who should enter the room but Ingrid and cohorts? <laughs> when an annoyed and angered Leslie asks exactly what is going on, Ben finally admits, I- I'm sorry, Leslie, but you didn't really help them very much. So we volunteered to give them a little financial advice. And Leslie tells Ben, yeah, she's mad he's doing this, but she's even more mad that he lied about it. After all, she says, we all swore that we weren't going to ever help her again, ever. And Ben reminds her, I never said that. You did. Leslie, perhaps going a bit overboard and manic, (laughs) responds by saying, I speak for all of us in all matters. This is what you tacitly agreed to when you married me. Let's go. You've changed your mind. You're not going to help her anymore. Wow. Wow. And yikes. Yeah. I, uh, good luck, Ben. Good luck with that. That seems fair. It does. <laughs> well, on the road home, Anne questions April's decision and her decision-making process, in fact. And maybe not entirely all for April's sake. Yeah, you could be on to something. So, yeah, we're it's now uh, dark out. And we cut to the Anmobile. They call that nighttime, Mark. Is that what we call it? Yeah. I don't keep up on science. <laughs> um, we cut to the Anmobile at nighttime, you oh, said. There it is. And, yeah. and it's the Perkins Mobile, by the way. <laughs> the, is that what it is? The <laughs> Perkins Mobile? It is, yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, Anne and April are driving back to Pawnee from Bloomington. And uh, hey, hey, Harvey, play this road trip clip, please. Thank you, sir. Can we please talk about what happened back there? What, Anne? I just stole your phone and texted every guy in it that the baby was theirs. It's not that big of a deal. Listen, I know you don't believe this, but I care about your future. And I'm just a little disappointed that you're just not following through with this. Yeah, it's not about following through, okay? I was on the fence about whether I wanted to do it, and as soon as I got there, I just had a gut feeling that it wasn't right for me, that's all. So just like that, boom, huge life decision made? That's how I make all my life decisions. My gut is always right, okay? It was right about marrying Andy, and it was right when it told me that you would be the worst person I would ever meet in my life. (laughs) And I've met Guy Fieri, Anne. (laughs) So gross. How do you get your gut to talk to you? You don't get your gut to talk to you. You just listen when it says something. Well, right now my gut is saying that we are going to listen to Mariah Carey the whole way home. Good. Apparently, that's better than Tori Amos. Well, minorly, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's your opinion, Mark, and keep it to yourself. Will do. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> well, meanwhile, at the Pawnee Sports Building, Mark, uh, the tip-off classic is underway, and despite the trouncing Pawnee is getting from Eagleton, Leslie finally warms up to the idea of providing them some support. Yes, yes. I, uh... We now cut to the absurdly generically titled Pawnee Sports Building. Good God. Uh, 
Because it actually has that on the building it itself, does, doesn't it? Yes. Like, in case you don't know, that's what this is. Yeah. And we see, as you mentioned, Alan, the Pawnee Eagleton tip-off classic basketball game is in full swing. The current score, Pawnee 24, Eagleton 74. So a, a bit of a blowout. I'd say. For sure. We see Leslie and Ben sitting together on the Pawnee side watching the game. And Leslie's continuing to give Ben a hard time about choosing to, quote, side with Eagleton. And I think Leslie's perspective can be summed up as what comes around goes around, you know. Uh, of course, it doesn't hurt that the people of Eagleton seem to be running their town about as sensibly as Tom attempted to run Entertainment 720. Not far off. It really is not. Yeah. Um, ben tries to appeal to Leslie's more humane side, pointing out that, Leslie, people are going to lose their jobs and the recovery is going to take years. I think deep down, I think you have to feel bad for them. And Leslie concedes maybe she does feel a little bad for them, and she apologizes for the way that she blew up at Ben yesterday. But with all this recall stuff going on, she needs to know that Ben's on her side now more than ever. And I don't know, seeing him with Eagleton kind of made her feel like he wasn't. And Ben reassures Leslie she has nothing to worry about. He will always be Team Nope. He will always be by her side. And the two of them then see an Eagleton player go down with an injury, and even though Pawnee is almost ridiculously behind... Two Pawnee players help the guy up and help him walk off the court, holding him up in an inspiring display of good sportsmanship. Leslie watches this and then tells Ben, oh, God, uh, uh, I'm going to say something if I throw up on you after I say <laughs> it and just know you've been warned. I know how we can help Eagleton. All right. Yeah. Well, we will see. Yeah. Over at the local RV lot, Ron is looking for a mobile solution to help his efforts to get off the grid when he's confronted by an unexpected and yet affected party. Yeah, we, we cut to an RV lot somewhere in Pawnee, and Mark, we see... I happen to know the name of this. Oh, I you do? It <laughs> what is it? It's Chuck E., like middle initial E. Chuck E.'s RV and Spa Center. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Just for future reference. Is, is it a cousin to Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese? That's a different thing altogether. No, yeah, my, not, my mistake. Don't confuse the two. No, no, they get angry. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we cut to Chuck E. Cheese, or we cut to the Chuck E. Uh, we cut to there. And Chuck's we, RV, there you go. When we see Ron apparently trying to buy an RV with gold, which just cracked me up. And we, we then see Diane walk onto the lot annoyed. Because apparently she, she got a flat tire, and she's been trying to get in touch with Ron for hours. And she she lays I like her style here. Mm-hmm. She lays it out for him in a way that I think he can understand. Yeah. Appreciate and understand you want to value your privacy. But you are a husband and a father now, and you, you can't roam the streets in an <laughs> RV and be impossible to find. <laughs> and initially, Ron kind of still tries to stubbornly cling on to his goal of getting off the grid, to which Diane responds, you don't have to be entirely on the grid, but you have to be on our grid. Mm. Ron concedes, and they tell each other, I love you, and they walk off the lot together. Well, thank God Diane was there to bring him home. Well, yeah, Yeah. good stuff there. And, And not just literally, but metaphorically. Yep, sometimes better halves can do a lot. That is very, very true. Well, at a special hearing on the Eagleton budget crisis, Leslie is about to present her idea to the citizens of both Pawnee and Eagleton, and their reactions are mixed at best. Hmm. 
We now cut to City Council Chambers where a special session open to the public is about to start with the subject line, Eagleton Budget Discussion. Hey Harvey, play this clip please, thank you. Okay, one more time. Are you absolutely sure you want to go through with this? A lot of people are going to get angry and you might lose the recall election. Or if I pull it off, I just might win. Plus, very smart member of my team pointed out it's the right thing to do. Good morning. After an all-night strategy session, the towns of Pawnee and Eagleton have come up with a potential solution to Eagleton's budget crisis. The town of Eagleton will be dissolved and reabsorbed into Pawnee. Pawnee will provide some government services as well as taking on some of Eagleton's debts. I understand. Look, I hate Eagletonians as much as you do. I hate their stupid, beautiful faces and their stupid, shiny hair. We've looked at every alternative. This is the only scenario that prevents Eagleton's financial crisis from spiraling throughout the entire region. Eagleton is terrible. Why should I bail them out with the hard-earned money from my unemployment check? Yeah. Well, because they are our neighbor and they've sprained their ankle. And when your neighbor sprains his ankle, you help him off the court. I understand you have concerns and questions, and we are here to listen to them. But one at a time, please. I hate the one at a time system. Why should we bail them out? No one bailed me out when I got arrested for arson. You can't just merge two towns. It's against the rules of nature. What's next? Merging a man with his dog? I live in Eagleton, and frankly, I don't like the idea of living in Pawnee. They're a little, what's the word? Have no money. <laughs> wow. Bertram, that's enough. First of all, Eagleton has no money. Second of all, they are gracious enough to throw us a lifeline, and we should be eternally grateful for their generosity. They're a town of angels. Greasy, denim-clad angels. <laughs> angels nonetheless. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> a victory's a victory, Alan. Greasy, denim-clad angels. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's the name of my college band. Weird. That's a great band name. It really is. Where Clayton. is Andy? Huh. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. where is Andy? Mm. Maybe Weird. London. Well, over in the Parks Department, a compromise is made on keeping Ron on a limited grid, and it doesn't appeal to everybody. That's right. That's right. We see uh, Ron in his office with Diane, Zoe, and Ivy, with Tom and Donna also present. Apparently, Ron now has a very archaic, decidedly not smart cell phone <laughs> with buttons. Ugh. Yeah. Diane tells the kids that Ron has a magic phone and only the three of them have his number. And if you need him, just call him and he'll be there in a flash. When Tom and Donna see the archaic cell phone with buttons in conjunction with Ron's shutter belt clip for oh, the God. phone, they are confused and outraged and storm out of Ron's office in disgust, which I think amuses Ron. It's like 1991 on his belt clip, Mark. Yeah. Which is the last time I was in Bloomington as a student. So wow. ironic. Yeah. Weird. I love it. Well, in Chris's office, Anne shares the details about her trip to Bloomington and realizes that it had a bigger impact on her than she expected. Yeah, we see Anne enter Chris's office, and she's, like you said, back from Bloomington, and she's carrying packages from the baby store. And Chris asks her how it was, and Anne excitedly tells him all about the cool baby supplies they had. And then, out of nowhere, she has a gut epiphany similar to what... It's called a gepiphany. Is that what it is? <laughs> it's similar to what April described. And then Anne asks Chris, what would you think 
about raising our child somewhere other than Pawnee. And we see Chris look contemplative, thinking it over. Well, speaking of things not cleared with Leslie first, we'll see what happens with that. Yes. Yeah. Well, Mark, finally in the kicker, it's time to settle up on the annual tip-off classic bet, and somebody has to pay. (laughs) Oh, I think we all do. Yeah. In the final scene, still in council chambers, we see Ingrid approach Leslie to thank her. Hey, Harvey, play us out, buddy. Thank you, Leslie. From all of us in Eagleton, our citizens owe you a debt of gratitude. I think at the end of the day, everybody realizes this is something we have to do. On the bright side, we did win the basketball game. I think you owe us some apples. You better pay up. Oh, you don't want them. All of Pawnee's apples have been recalled. G. coli. You mean E. coli? I wish. Way easier to treat. Oh. Welcome to Pawnee! <laughs> Boom. How you like them apples? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Come with free G. coli. Yep. Oh, boy. Fade to black, right? Fade to black. Well, Mark, nice job on the breakdown. Let's take a real quick break. We'll compare our notes. We'll come back and we'll do the normal stuff we do, you know, the scoring and the talking about the stuff. Yep. And then, uh, and then we'll tell everybody to leave. Cheerio. Sport. Good show. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody. Yep. Ladies, are you fans of smooth jazz? How about an even smoother jazz saxophone player? Would you like to relax, let your hair down, and experience sonic love? Hello, this is Ron Swanson. If you answered yes to any of the above questions, then I have the perfect nighttime destination for you and your lady friends. Cozy's Bar is located at 829 Division, in Eagleton, Indiana. And while I don't normally recommend crossing the Pawnee border into Eagleton, I do recommend Cozy's. Aside from pool tables, great food, talented bartenders, and a great selection of scotch, you can also experience the jazz saxophone stylings of Mr. Duke Silver on the first Thursday of every month, and occasional days here and there in between. Showtimes are at 9 p.m. on weekdays and 9.30 p.m. on weekends, unless the Colts happen to be on the big screen. Cozy's also has all three of Duke's albums for sale, Smooth as Silver, Hi-Ho Duke, and his latest offering, The Memories of Now. So the next time you lovely ladies need to get away from the tedium of everyday life, meander down to Cozy's during the witching hour, relax, unwind, and follow Duke Silver Trio on a little journey to yourself. In the words of Duke Silver, come see me, come talk to me, come love with me, and maybe we can walk through fire together. Uh, yes, uh, thank you, that is all. everybody we're back well hey mark uh, let's talk about our deleted scenes because it won't take long we had about one minute and 48 seconds worth of deleted scenes four scenes roughly i think we already mentioned one of them and uh the only other one i thought was funny was uh where jerry walks in and uh somehow i think because of a prank believes he is the one who has gotten Anne pregnant right right pretty funny that was, that was kind of funny it was a little bit funny yeah so 
but outside of that, not much there this week. Yeah, yeah, it it was it was pretty sparse. Um, they were funny enough, but yeah, as we usually say, I think they made the right choices. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Mark, how about tropes first and fun facts? I'm guessing you had a few this week. How about that? Yeah. Uh, so first, um, and first, suggest to Chris that maybe they raise their child somewhere outside of Dupani. Yeah. Um, we are. <laughs> We we're first introduced to Ben's calculator, Dr. Buttons. Oh, missed that one. <laughs> and it is first suggested, to my knowledge, that April does not want to go to vet school. Oh, that's also a good one. Yeah. What'd you have? Uh, I said it's the first appearance, I suppose, and last of Ingrid DeForest. Oh, is it the is it the last? Actually, you know what? I don't think it is. I, don't I think, think there is. is one more. I yeah. think Kristen Bell's there twice. Yeah. And because uh, I believe la- our last, you know, uh, famous Eagleton, Eagleton one. Yeah, it was yeah. a, a one shot. But this one, I think Kristen comes back. I think you're right. How about uh, tropes, Mark? All right, tropes. I had a, I don't know if this really apply, but, you know, we, there's a couple times when Leslie seemed to be looking at Ben with lust. So I said Leslie lusts after Ben. Yeah. Um, Leslie hates Eagleton. Done. Pawnee hates Eagleton. <laughs> Love it. Eagleton hates Pawnee. Yep. April hates Anne. A lot of hate in this episode. Yeah. Um, crazy Pawneeans. Yep. Got it. And I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say crazy Eagletonians. Maybe. I, I'll, I'll speak more on this later. Mine says snobby. Okay. You know what? That's fair. That's probably yeah. more accurate for them. Um, overly cheerful Chris, as yeah. it seems like sometimes like a ridiculous. It's like a ridiculous donkey. Chris, er, Ben's the best. Um, <laughs> Mugs to the camera, which yeah. I, I clocked mainly Ben. He Mostly he ben. did it a lot in this yeah, episode. Yeah, he really did. Um, ben is a nerd, Doctor yeah. Buttons. Oh um, uh, and then FDR for food driven Ron. Why is everyone else so bad at eating? <laughs> um, what do you have? I had a couple. Um, I had uh, lousy with lurpuses because we did have a lurpus appearance. Oh, good yeah. one! Yeah. I missed it. You're right. Yep. I had uh, RVP. Ron values privacy. Yes, yeah, that's a great one. It's a plot line. Um, Leslie holds a grudge. I feel like I've said that one before, and I think it's very, very evident here. Yeah. Like, this is really just you know a revenge scheme at first, practically. Right. And then I had one that I'm not sure we've said before, but I think it fits. Called fun with framing. And by this, I mean framing of the camera and positioning of the people within its frame. So if you see the scene at the press conference in the early in the show where Ingrid is on the right and Leslie's on the left, and it says something about the Pawnee Eagleton classic, basically the word ass is framed tightly between the two ladies. It's just, it's a visual joke, and I guarantee you it was done on purpose. (laughs) So fun with framing. And we've seen a couple other little camera things that, that where they've gone for the maybe the subtle comedy shot. Nice, I miss that. Yeah, so fun one. But how about the goofs um, or fun facts, Mark? Uh, what you get this week? Uh, on the wide, wide world of web, um, ah. they they talked about, and I had mentioned this earlier yeah. that apparently in the scene, erase all pictures of Ron. That that, that whole scene, apparently Donna is using, and I I didn't notice this honestly until yeah. I read this yeah. but Donna is using a Windows phone and Tom is using a Windows tablet and the only reason that that's uh, noteworthy at all is is that 
none of these things either had a a Snapchat right app or a Vine app. Yep, that's very true. Which just interesting. I again, it was so quick. I didn't notice it, but it, it's basically product placement, corporate sponsorship. Microsoft was a you know a sponsor of this episode, mm. so they briefly show the Windows logo on both those. Well, so, kind there of you go. Still funny though, right? Yeah, erase all pictures of Ron. Oh my God, like, yes. Just, that was a that was a pretty funny moment. Yeah, absolutely. Did I miss any? Did I didn't have... have any other goofs uh, that I clocked this week. Um, I saw a lot of fun facts online, and I, I had one of my own, I, which I kind of mentioned early. Nicole you know, Hall of Center, the director of this episode, directed two of four Eagleton, uh, well, and of her four episodes, in fact, two of them were Eagleton-centric. So, kind of interesting. How about you, Mark? What did you get on fun facts? Um... The only real thing that I thought was interesting is there there were a few fun facts uh, regarding Kristen Bell and the number of people that she either had worked with oh, or yeah. would go on to work with. So, for example, um, Kristen Bell played Adam Scott's love interest in Party Down, which right. is a, a very underrated a sitcom. If, if you've never seen it, I would definitely recommend it's it. It's back for season three, 20 mm-hmm. years later. I know, yeah. I know. Um, and then she also would uh, star in another Michael Schur sitcom, one that I love and I want you to watch, damn it, The Good Place. Uh, I heard it sucks. In, in which also Adam Scott would occasionally it. guest star. Yeah, so she true. worked with Adam Scott again. Yeah. Um, and I think that's mainly it. The only other one I thought was interesting, and this is a sharp eye, I give credit to the person who found it, basically said that, Apparently, the the top that Anne is wearing in this episode, which looks fine, was the exact one that Mona Lisa destroyed uh, in the the episode Swing Boat. Oh. Which I I wouldn't have remembered that for sure. Me neither. Yeah. So somebody picked that up, apparently. Interesting. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, I think it is time for us to move into scores. All right. Scoring incoming. Um, My MVP for this episode... I got to pick my man crush, Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Um, Alan, with Chris Pratt off being Star-Lord in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think that they had a need to have other characters kind of dial up the lunacy. And I think to this end, Ron was even more of a caricature than usual, but I thought it was to good effect. Erase all pictures of Ron. Um, It just, it really worked for me, and I love Ron anyway. I, I think that that was... I think his storyline was my favorite, and I found it to be the most overtly humorous and funny. Mm-hmm. I thought that the A story was the most interesting, and I thought the C story was the weakest overall, in in my opinion. Okay, um, interesting way to look at it. I, I thought both Ron and Leslie kind of had similar journeys in this episode in the sense that they both went way overboard to address their goals, not necessarily stopping to think how their decisions would affect others. In Ron's case, how his quest for total privacy would affect Diane and the kids, and for Leslie, how steamrolling over everyone makes her look, even to someone like her husband, Ben, who adores her. Um, Of these, I think that Ron's, I, I guess, sin so to speak, was maybe the lesser one when compared to Leslie, as his mania was maybe not quite so wrapped up in uh, selfishness as Leslie's was. I, I think that I did like the way that they both self-corrected once their better halves, Diane and Ben, yeah. pointed out their flawed thinking. Um, 
I also think two of the three stories, Leslie's and April, so the the A and the C, yeah. uh, help to set up future arcs. So Eagleton getting absorbed into Pawnee, that opens up a lot of extra space now that we can play around in. And, yep. and, and we now conceptually not only have crazy Pawneeans, but maybe as you snobby Eagletonians or crazy Eagletonians. It's an interesting move. Yeah. Um, and the same thing can be said, I think to a lesser degree, maybe April turning her back on vet school. It's maybe it's not quite so clear what some of the potential moves are for that in the future. But however, as often happens when you initially set up an arc, the, the, the beginning part is not necessarily the best part of the arc, but it's, it's necessary to set it up, which is, Maybe part of why this episode, in my opinion, was a was a step down from, admittedly, the double size season premiere sure, that course. was unbelievable. See, um, Mark, I thought you were going to say in that storyline that Anne getting the idea to have the baby somewhere other than uh, Pawnee was the art creator. Well, kind of. Um, I mean, it's setting up for her to leave the show and I know. go, go it, basically write a screenplay. It's so sad. I don't even want to think about it. I know. But, but, but yes, you're right. That's you're true. right on that as yeah. well. Um, and that is not so much an arc as much as it's see ya. Um, but I mean, I guess that that qualifies. You're right. You're right. Uh, Anne and Chris leaving becomes a story arc. I guess it. I I'll, guess I'll stand right. my ground on that. So, <laughs> so it, I, I felt, you know what the interesting thing was? As I was watching this episode, I kept on thinking, this feels... This feels empty. This feels empty for some reason. And then, and then, like a ton of bricks, it hit me. I finally realized why. Both Andy and Jerry are missing. Yep. And don't get me wrong. I get it. I do. There are plot reasons yep. why both of them are not there. So I'm not. I don't mean that like as a major complaint. I just I find that it's like there was a little something that was missing. It felt a little empty. Um, I was a little disappointed at April backing off from vet school. I, I like the journey that she was on, and, and like I said, I maybe you know they come up with great ideas, and there's like a, a method to this madness, if you will. But initially, I was like, oh man, I was really happy for her. Like I was sad to see that happen. Um. Anyway, onto the crazy Mark rubric that we all know and love. I'm gonna give this sucker uh, a four for base score. I, I thought, as I said, Ron's was, story was the most enjoyable. The 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 Leslie Ben Chris story was interesting. Definitely sets up arc for future use. The Anne April story, it was it was okay, and, and you know it sets it sets up Anne and Chris eventually leaving. Mm -hmm. It just seemed a little odd again with with April backing off of vet school. But you know, I thought that they were all well ish done. So four for that. I'm going to give half a point for episode MVP, Nick Offerman. Erase all pictures of Ron Swanson. Um, I'm going to give half a point for a pretty nice list of guest stars. Uh, Kristen Bell as Ingrid DeForest. Uh, Lucy Lawless as Diane Lewis. Uh, the Miami Heat's Chris Bosch <laughs> as the tall player. I and play, thus the 50-point lead. I play the clarinet better too, Eric. <laughs> that was a great line. That was. Um, Brent Briscoe as the great J.J. Lipscomb. Rest uh, in peace. Je uh, yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Markle as Chance Frenelm. I love that last name. Yeah, I love it. F-R-E-N-L-M. Did we say fun with names during tropes? I certainly meant no, to. No, miss that. Shoot. Shoot. I, I, yeah, I thought I had written it down. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mel Cowan as Mel the Red Face red guy. Face like, he's always screaming about stuff. Um, Richard Birch says, Richard Birch, excuse me, as one of the uh, Lurpuses, Herman That's Lurpus. Right. Loves his nitrous. Yep. Um, Todd Stanton as Eagletonian Bertram. Um, Aisha Marar 
yeah. played the the uh, the shop assistant. I think those were the main ones. Yeah, and, and did you get her name though? Um, which is also another fun with names reference. Kerp Solsi? Yes. Holy cow. And then Laura, who was the tour guide at the Bloomington Vet School, which doesn't exist, uh, is uh, Laura Spengotten. Bless you. It's like you got something stuck in your sinuses. Right, right. A Spengotten. That's no damn good. That's not good. Um, I, I ended up giving a half point just in totality to each of the three stories, which I realize is a lazy way to do this, but I, you know, the A story, the B story, the C story, I thought there were enough funny moments just overall, instead of diving down into stuff that they each deserve a half point on their own. So half point, half point, half point. I'm going to give a half point for what I called the crazy Pawneeans and Eagletonians combo. I always like the collection of crazy citizens or snobby that help not only make the scenes pop, but help flesh out the universe into something that feels more solid. I know we've made that point in the past, I'm going to give half point for what we call, what I call the Eagleton combo just overall. Although what the future holds is not clear for this plot point, honestly, I think Pawnee absorbing Eagleton is very interesting. It's an interesting It's an concept. interesting yeah. solution. Sure it is. It, and it deserves some points on its own. So half point for it's that. It's not even crazy, honestly, on paper. Like as a real no. world thing that it's, could it's, happen. It's yeah. clever. Mm-hmm. It is which clever. is something that they are well known said. for doing writing for this show. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give one final half point for what I call the course correction combo. And I know I've said this sort of thing before, both Ron and Leslie finding their way back to center with a nudge from their better halves. Uh, so you add all those scores up and, and you come up with 8.0 little Sebastians. Um, so Alan, you know the saying, you know, you, when you get to the top, there's no place to go but down. Well, this, this was a definite step down, I suppose, from the unbelievable double size season premiere which it isn't really fair to compare it against quite frankly and yet it was still a good enjoyable episode i was considering giving this a 7.5 to be honest but between the hilarious ron centric meme moments and the mm. interesting plot direction of pawnee absorbing yeah. eagleton I, I decided it deserved the nod and so I, I rounded it up to eight so anyway alan that's my review rock that scuba your turn Nice job, Mark. I, I, I'll start with my MVPs. Mm. I did a duel this week, and probably, I mean, you and I are definitely on the same page here, at least thematically on this. My, my MVPs were Adam Scott and Lucy Lawless. Oh. Um, because they were the sanity sayers, right? Yeah. They, they're the ones, you call them the course correction. You yeah. Know, you had your duo there, your, your points. Yeah, they're the Samwise to their Frodo. They are, absolutely. And, and I think even though Lucy was on screen a lot less than Adam. Right. It's still classic Diane, right? Yeah. And, and I love that character. I love the way she's written. I love what she does for Ron and brought him back down to earth. And of course, Ben, you know, was there to kind of take Leslie out of her funk. I think I would have liked to seen him do it a little earlier, perhaps. But there was something nice about her coming to her own uh, kind of her own realization as well. Because I'd say Ben helped her, but she got there really right before him anyway. Yeah, I'd she say saw I agree the kid, that. you know, being taken off the, you know, that's what that's what inspired it for her. So, right. but again, uh, without him there, I'm not sure it would have had the same outcome. So I, I still give him credit for sure. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit that uh, both Jerry and Andy not being there are plot. Andy definitely is, and I understand he had a shooting schedule with Guardians they had to deal with for for Pratt. I, why is Jerry not being there plot to you? I don't think that that it affects plot. I like, think, why do you think it's? 
I, 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 it was as the French say, and I don't know what, uh, 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 you know, the je ne sais quoi. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, it says the French say, I don't know what. Yeah. That as I watched it, it just felt empty. And that, that's as no, far no, no, as my totally analysis agree. went. agree. And I, I, I get that, you know, saying, oh, Jerry's going to semi retire and then in there he's here every week is a little bit of a game. But I think they can do it, and Jerry's not on screen enough that that couldn't still be realistic and him be here. So I, I agree. To to be clear, I didn't I didn't have a problem with them being absent from a plot perspective. Okay. I just kind of went, why does this episode feel empty? Bing, very, aha. Yeah, That's absolutely. all. Absolutely. Um, now, ironically, Jerry is in one of the deleted scenes. Yeah. Which we kind of referred to. You know, he, he thinks right. he's impregnated. Even and, though we've never hugged. I, I take you at your word. That's right. Yeah. Started and, a college fund. Right, right. And his <laughs> wife supports him, but yep. he's going to he's gonna help her out, do the right thing. Right. Apparently all on April prank, which is terrific. So, but um, yeah, so you're right, though. It, it feels like there's kind of a hole in the middle of the episode, I suppose. Yeah. And uh you know, when you're when you're kind of off in unfamiliar places with your main characters in what I would call not odd, but semi unusual pairings like you don't always see Tom and Donna and 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 Ron together. You know what I mean? Right. That, that felt a little strange to me. Liked it in general overall and thought it was interesting for them to be his social media foil, so to speak. Um, but uh but still, it, I think there was a lot going on here that felt different than usual, and it just set it up to feel like incomplete, I think, is a good way to look at it. Hmm, I so, agree with that. But, um, but I do think that, you know, the, they did set up the arc, like I mentioned, for, for Chris and Ann, a storyline we, do, we don't love. It's weird to think that this whole time, you know, they're just now getting together, and now they're about to disappear. It's a little bit of a shame and kind of I wonder if they had known that she wouldn't be available in season seven, if they might have pushed that up a little further into the overall timeline. Yeah, I bet that's what happened. So, yeah, interesting. It's it's a lost opportunity, as they say in the biz. Yeah. Mark, for me, I gave this an 8.0 and I I also kind of waffled between a seven and a half and an eight. And um, I, I leaned toward the eight uh, I think again because the the standout comedy moments that were there were really good ones mm-hmm. there could have been more they could have uh, Leslie could have been a little less manic I thought it was interesting to have Ron in kind of a manic mode and not as weird as having Leslie return there yet again right um, and, and revenge is never I won't say never revenge can also be not funny or certainly yeah. not warm-hearted. And one of the things we like about this show is they find comedic comedy and warm-hearted moments. And not every show, two and a half men, can do that as well. I, I I agree with you, but I gotta admit to you, there there's an element of um I'm trying to think of the right analogy here. Like when when Ron punches jam. Yeah. There's there's a part of me when that happened that I kind of felt like I'm oversimplifying this, but I kind of thought, oh, the the bad guy is yeah. getting his comeuppance. Right. I kind of felt that way to For an extent, be, just because they've never, ever, 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 ever in the history of ever, ever been been held accountable for their outrageous spending, for their outrageous okay. you snobbery. Know what? You said it right earlier in the, in our episode today. I did. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> there it is. Um, 
<laughs> we usually don't get this no. get this this late in the show. But but I, you had said, and I thought this was pretty smart uh, for you yeah. that um, that Leslie, you know, what we saw from Leslie was mostly mean spirited antagonism, right? Yeah. Which you could say is motivated by the things you just said. Mm. But I think Leslie generally has grown above that. And I think I would have liked to have seen a little of that, but then her shift into better arguments about why Eagleton does suck and should not get their help. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, you blew it and you deserve it. It's funny, but there are real reasons and you just mentioned them. Eagleton has never demonstrated anything that looks like empathy toward Pawnee. In fact, you know, they are constantly looking down on Pawnee and for all, all rights, you know, there's no reason for Pawnee to help them. Yeah, you know what? I I like the way that you just put that actually. You know, saying saying they suck, that's one thing. And yeah. it may be true, yeah. but it's going to hold more value and weight if I say this is specifically what you've done yeah. that makes you suck. Yeah. yeah. And you've never said I'm sorry. Yeah. I think the only thing that was a slight lifeline for that gap there was that uh, I believe Chris had the line where he said Blah, 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 Eagleton failing and creating a, a, a crisis that affects the whole region. I noted that, too. So I think that was kind of a smart little one-liner there to kind of say, why would Pawnee want to help Eagleton? Because it's, it's not really in their self-interest unless something like that's true. Well, I mean, I like that, too, because it kind of extends a lifeline in all directions because you can still argue, look, man— it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And you know what? Sure. Because of how this show operates, I would buy that. We would buy but it. But on another level, I could see also saying maybe to placate the Pawneeans that were all pissed off yep. to say, I get it if you don't buy into my it's the right idea, it's the right thing to do. So let me pitch this argument to yeah. you. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going to spiral and hit the whole area. Yeah. And they, they weren't hearing it, but, you know, and, and it wasn't elaborated on either. Right. But, but it was there as a hook. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, good stuff today, Mark. I, I think that was a great breakdown of the show, and uh, we're, as usual, pretty much on the same page. Yeah. And uh, so I can both say this week we were both right. Yeah, we are both right. I love that. Yeah, I like, I, we need a ding for that. Did we need a ding? Yay, we're both right. There you go. Woohoo! We need to expand our soundboard here a little bit. We need we some We certainly more do, yeah, I yeah. know. So, Well, hey, Mark, nice job this week. We'll be back next week with Season 6, Episode 4, Doppelgangers. Doppelgangers. Thank yeah, you. doppelgangers. Yeah. No, that's right. I don't remember that episode. Well, the other guy does. It looks like you. <laughs> Thank Very you, nice. everybody. Very nice. Yeah. I'm here all week. Try the veal. <laughs> oh, my God. That's scary. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompony.com for more details or to contact us. The the tip off classic is underway, and despite the uh, trouncing pound, and despite the trouncing Pawnee is getting from Eagleton, Leslie finds the. <laughs> 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 and I was worried we weren't going to have an outtake this oh. week. Good God. Ding ding. Here we go.